Hey guys, what's up? I'm Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. You're about to listen to this week's radio show and podcast forum. Thanks so much for joining us. And a new deal. We have koozies, Heartland College Sports koozies. You can get one for free. All you have to do is give us a rating, a review, and subscribe on iTunes. Send me a screenshot of that review to Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. And boom, you got a Heartland College Sports koozie going to your front door. Can't thank you guys enough for growing this thing so quickly. Enjoy the show. Safeties drop really deep. Handoff Sermon over the left side. Big hole, 30. First down, 25, 20. Breaks a tackle, 15, 10, 5. The minister is into the end zone. Preach. Mason takes the ball, fakes a handoff, fires over the middle. It's caught by Aitman, and he takes it into the end zone. He juggled it for a moment, but got it back. Pistols firing. Touchdown, Oklahoma State's Marcel Aitman. There's more to us than that. Two receivers left, one right. Quarterback keeper here, 30-yard line. Jesse, 25-20, 15-10-5 to the goal line. Touchdown, 35 yards on the run for Jesse Ertz. Turpin in motion, they fake to him, hand to Hicks, he'll walk in and score. Hit the horn with 7.39 to play in the second quarter, and the Horn Frogs now go up 13 to 7 in advance. 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. A court storming controversy has taken over the Big 12 Conference, and as a result, all of college basketball. I'm Pete Mundo. Welcome on in Heartland College Sports Weekly. Appreciate you joining us. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is my independently owned and operated Big 12 website. Used to work out in Woodward, Oklahoma, in radio, now in New York City. And uh, just a way to get this conference, what I've always believed is the national coverage and attention it has never gotten but deserves. So this has really dominated the headlines for a lot of this past week after what happened this past weekend involving Texas Tech and uh, West Virginia. And let me start off by saying this. Everyone involved here is a complete fool. And I'd use a little bit of a stronger word if I didn't mind being fined by the FCC. But, you know, we don't want to deal with that. Don't want any part of government involvement here. So uh, we'll move on. But from the security at Texas Tech, to the fans at Texas Tech, to the West Virginia players. They all, all were out of line. And here's why. So if you don't know the story, last weekend in Lubbock, Texas Tech beats West Virginia by a point and the fans stormed the court. Then West Virginia, their player Wesley Harris, gets bumped as the fans are storming the court and takes a swing and punches at a Texas Tech fan from behind. Luckily, Harris appeared to hit the young man in like the side of the head and didn't get a clear shot. So the kid was kind of more shocked than anything else. And thankfully, we all can just move on. But let's start with Texas Tech and what I think was a horrible job by security because they just let those guys at Tech, whether it's football, basketball, they let them just storm the court for anything, apparently. You are a top 10 team in the country. You have no business storming the court. And I've heard this from Tech fans. Well, you know, we've never been a top 10 team. We don't know how to, 
You know, this is so exciting. We've never been here before. This is just like a whole new ball game. Uh, really? Because you stormed the court last year against West Virginia when you beat them as well. Did you maybe uh, forget about that one a little bit? Because that did happen. Texas Tech beat West Virginia last year. Now, at least then, Texas Tech was unranked and West Virginia was seventh in the country. So you could kind of understand it. But when you're a top 10 team, you just, you don't storm the court. Especially when you've done that. You've had your charade. Last year you did it because it was such a shocker. Now you're one of the big boys. You're supposed to act like you've been there. And this is the progression from last season. Hey, we stunned them last year. Okay, storm the court. This year, hey, we're a top 10 team. We expect to get that kind of win. Let's do it. Well, unfortunately, that's not what happened. Not what Texas Tech fans decided to do. So the Tech fans got to get over the court storming here. You just, you got to find something else to do here with your free time. It's just, you can't keep doing this. Every time you win a game, you feel like storming the court. Unless it's just storming the court out of frustration from football season, which I could completely understand. Uh, Let's get to the West Virginia angle of this. Wes Harris was wrong. Absolutely wrong. You know, I watched Big Monday. We'll get to that in a moment here. Um, And I got Jay Billis on the TV excusing what Wesley Harris did. Not, not, uh, all right, that's too strong. Not excusing what Wesley Harris did by punching a tech fan, but giving him an out by saying it's a raucous environment. It's a difficult circumstance. We don't know what the tech fan said to him. Clearly, Jay Billis did not watch the video. If you watch the video, you see this tech fan in the red sweatshirt basically at a side 90-degree angle trying to shimmy his way towards center court. His back is to Wesley Harris. He doesn't even know Wesley Harris is there. He's just trying to get to midcourt. So it's not like this kid turned around, looked at Wesley Harris, and gave him a double bird and then Wesley Harris took a swipe at him. Or this kid got in Wesley Harris's face, was cursing him out, um, and then this Wesley Harris took a swipe at him. That's not what happened. And for Jay Billis to say, well, we don't know what was said, he didn't watch the video. That's, that's all that tells me. He did not watch the video. So Wesley Harris should have been suspended for a game and he wasn't. He was reprimanded by the Big 12, whatever that means. And who knows what Bob Huggins did, if anything. Kanate was also in there. He didn't throw a punch, but he got a little physical as well. And I I know it's a difficult spot for the West Virginia players. But teams get court stormed on year in, year out. And 99% of the time, players aren't trying to fight fans. So who is the outlier here? And who's wrong? Yeah, the Tech fans are, you know, shouldn't have stormed the court. It, it, they should be past that phase in their fandom, in my opinion, based on the basketball team that they have. But if you can't control that, you can only control yourself. And there was nothing evident there that said these West Virginia fans or these West Virginia players were in any kind of physical or emotional harm. Nothing that we could see from the videos that would describe that. And lastly, the Texas Tech security has got to do a better job. 
I know you want to give your fans a moment here, but come on, you're a top 10 team, have the proper amount of security, don't let them storm the court. We've all been in college, and sometimes you can tell when there's enough security there, the fan base is not trying to storm the court. So I'd just like to see that improve from Tech, because ultimately, it's fun. I get it. The kids love it, the students love it, but it can get a little ugly, and that could have been a heck of a lot uglier than it was this past week and in that court storming in Lubbock between Texas Tech and West Virginia. All right, let's get to Big Monday where, speaking of West Virginia, they were home for a must-watch game on Big Monday taking on the Kansas Jayhawks, and they had a double-digit lead for most of the first half, up 13 at halftime. Kanate is blocking everything inside at the rim, and then it completely unravels in the second half. Kansas who had they won this game, which they did, they would have about a 46% chance of winning the Big 12 Conference compared to had they lost this game to West Virginia, they would have had about a 21% chance of winning the Big 12 Conference. This was based on a ESPN stats and information item that I saw prior to the game. That's where this thing stood. And West Virginia had the Big 12 Conference In the palm of its hand with this win, it would have been a massive win early in conference play. It would have set back Kansas. And finally, for the first time in 13 years, we might have had somebody outside of the Jayhawks win this conference. But Kansas does what it always does. And they find a way. And that is why and that is how you win 13 straight Big 12 titles with that 71-66 win for Kansas over West Virginia on Big Monday and what was uh, just a heck of a game. And uh, goes to show you, Bill Self said it after the game. It's good to have a couple vets. We did a lot of little things better than what the probably looked on TV uh, uh, because we competed harder and, and got our hands on more loose balls. Here was the stat that told you the entire story of this game, especially in the first half. Kansas had six field goals made. Kanate had five block shots for West Virginia. That's, that's an incredible stat. But what this team did, and what I like about this Bill Self team, ironically, is that there are no superstars. You know, Devontae Graham is now a senior leader, and you like a guy like that leading your team. LeGerald Vick, these guys, they're upperclassmen who have been in the battles, have been in the trenches, have been in the fights, and they know what they're getting into. And they're not overwhelmed when you're on the road in a tough environment and you find yourself down by 13 points at halftime. So while this team may not have that one-and-done star that Bill Self has had in the past, there's something about this team that I like better. It's not super talented. It's not. But it's the kind of team that can get better game in, game out, can improve week in, week out. And that's something that I think you cannot understate the value of that in college basketball. When you get to a March Madness type scenario and it's chaotic and it's hectic and it's a one and done and there's a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. Having a senior team, even if it's not the most talented guys on the floor, isn't a bad thing necessarily. And I think Kansas fans get in this trap of expecting the one-and-done top-ten five-star guy 
to carry them because that's how a lot of the teams have done it in recent seasons, whether it's, you know, Kentucky, of course, Calipari's done it forever. Um, you jump to Duke, started doing it. You've seen it time and time again, but also team team like Villanova has not done that. And they've been able to get their guys that stay for three, four years. They mature, they grow, and it works for the team as well. So now Kansas finds itself at about a 45% chance of winning the Big 12 Conference. Again, they are in the driver's seat. And what did you really expect? That's how it's going to be. But I really thought at halftime of Monday's game that we were looking at a new direction for the Big 12 Conference with the depth in this conference. That maybe we'd have a three-way battle between West Virginia, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech for the top spot. But nope, here we are. Uh, mid-January, and it is Kansas in the driver's seat once again. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Want to get to this. The depth in this conference is so good in basketball, in football. And I think people are finally starting to come around on the idea that the Big 12 in many ways is the toughest conference in the country. I'll get to it next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So in many ways, this football season for the Big 12 and the basketball season have been incredibly positive because I think a lot of people are starting to come around on what this conference is all about from a depth and difficulty perspective. Pete Mundo with you, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Find us at heartlandcollegesports.com. Always appreciate you joining us on Twitter at heartland underscore CS and on Facebook, just search Heartland College Sports. Same with Instagram as well. We share a lot of fan photos there. Okay, so the Big 12 now, you look at this conference and where it stands on the basketball court. We'll get to football, of course, but we'll start with the basketball court because that's where we are right now in the season and whatnot. And you see the rankings um, and you see the Big 12 teams that are just all over the place. All over the top 10, from Oklahoma at 4, West Virginia at 6, Texas Tech at 10, uh, Texas Tech at 8, Kansas at 10. And even you go to the bottom, there is no bottom of this conference. But if you want to call it the bottom, you go to Iowa State, you go to TCU, that is in the bottom half of the Big 12 standings. But you know this is a team that's ranked in the top 25. That's how good and how deep this conference is. And people are starting to realize, okay... The Big 12 is playing a true round robin. Everybody's playing each other twice against this gauntlet schedule and these teams where there's no night off. They're just they're, there's no time to relax in this Big 12 basketball schedule. It's it's incredibly impressive. And you compare that to some of the other conferences, I it's not even close. It's not even debatable when you look at, you know, some of the teams that these top teams in the country get to play and they get these, you know, stretches that are easier than others. And it's kind of comical when you really look at it. I, let's just do Kentucky for the sake of argument because, you know, they're Kentucky and they're supposed to be one of these powerhouses. But yeah, they're going to go through a stretch of Alabama, Arkansas, Missouri, and Ole Miss. I mean, find me a four-game stretch like that in the Big 12. You can't because it doesn't exist. And it was the same thing as well on the football field that I looked at and 
we've known this as fans for a while, that this conference was darn good, was worthy of more respect than it was getting, yet wasn't getting. And it's because there's something about playing every team in your conference every year that is difficult, that there's no surprises, there's nothing to save in the playbook because you are seeing each other year in, year out, road, home, swapping every year. And that's what makes it a lot more difficult than some of these other conferences, like, say, the SEC. Here's a little tidbit. Maybe some of you know this. But teams in opposite divisions in the SEC, without permanent rivalries, will play each other just twice every 12 years. So think about that. Just put that in perspective for you here. The two teams that met in the national championship, Georgia and Alabama, will only play each other twice every two years because of how this thing sets up and the amount of teams now in these conferences and the fact that, you know, it allows the powerhouses to actually look better than they are in many ways, if you think about it, because they get to play the bottom feeders and sometimes don't have to play the top dogs nearly as often. In the Big 12, TCU's got to play Oklahoma twice this past year. They had no choice. They had to play them in the national or in the regular season, and then they had to play them as well, of course, in the Big 12 championship game. There's no way around it in this conference. In basketball, you're going to play every team twice a season, and then in football, you got to play everybody. And finally... I believe people are coming around on the difficulty of that and that, no, the SEC is not harder than the Big 12 or the Big 10 is not harder than the Big 12 because they have 14 teams. In fact, it's easier because you may avoid a team in any given year and you may get some great schedule breaks that allow you to make a run that maybe you're not worthy of. Just look at Wisconsin this past year. That football schedule, Wisconsin was a solid team. I never thought they were a top five team in college football because their schedule told us otherwise. The Badgers didn't play a ranked team until November 11th when they beat Iowa 38-14. After that, they played a Michigan team that was barely in the top 25 at 24. And then, you know, once they finally played a solid opponent in Ohio State, they lost in the Big Ten Championship game. But think about that. You could go nine games. You could be approaching mid-November in the Big Ten or the SEC and not have a ranked team on your schedule. All right, that's probably less likely in the SEC, but still, it happened in the Big Ten, which is supposed to be one of the two great conferences in all of college football. And the answer is, we are finally realizing that's actually an easier path. And I think this basketball season, people... The eyes are opening up a little bit. I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to hear some of these you know, schmoes on ESPN or Fox glowing about how good the Big 12 Conference is. I'm not going to overstate it, but the tide is starting to turn, and it's the old adage of quality over quantity, which is why when an interesting story came out few days ago that uh, a Florida politician wrote a note to Bob Bowlesby looking for the Big 12 to add UCF and USF, I kind of laughed him out of the room. 
I'm sure Bowlesby did as well. At least if he was smart, that's what he would have done. Um, because just because you have a good season like USF or UCF, and I know they've had each had a good couple of years here these past five plus years or so, but you don't add teams for the sake of adding teams. And the fact that the Big Ten is sitting there and having a deal now with Rutgers football is comical. It is comical. And it's embarrassing for all parties involved except for a school like Rutgers that's laughing all the way to the bank with its 40 plus million dollars in shared revenue that it didn't earn. And we go through this in multiple industries and you see it all the time. People get caught up with quantity over quality sometimes until it's too late. And I think it's already too late. I think 14-team conferences is too big. I think the idea of super conferences, I hope that's long gone. I hope that's never going to happen. I hope we are where we are for a while until the money, of course, dictates otherwise. But having a schedule like the Big 12 does in basketball where you are not going to have a week to two-week stretch where you can play four teams that you're going to roll over and essentially call it like a mid-season breather, that does not exist. And that has got to be factored in to when you're evaluating these teams and you're evaluating kids that are 18 to 22 years old. That has to be a factor. And I'm starting to believe people are opening up their eyes to that just a little bit. All right, coming up next, a couple of uh, Big 12 football notes that have flown under the radar this week but are pretty darn important. We'll get to it next right here, Heartland College Sports Weekly. So a couple of overlooked items in the Big 12 Conference over the past week that really should grab your attention. Pete Mundo wrapping things up with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Appreciate the time as always. HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Check us out, your independent Big 12 media outlet. And, um, you know, we've really had a great 2016 to 2017, a huge jump in traffic, over 200% viewership improvement, and that's all because of you guys. So I can't thank you enough for that as we already are off to a really strong 2018 as well. So check us out, heartlandcollegesports.com. All right, so uh, you look at what's going on across college football and you see $2.5 million per year being given to assistant coaches and coordinators. It's just sick what's going on in places like Texas A&M. But what the Texas Longhorns did, they stole from the SEC when they grabbed Auburn offensive line coach Herb Hand, who they are now going to make the co-offensive coordinator of the Longhorns. Now, this is impressive for several reasons. First off, you are picking away from the SEC, which is good. Very positive for the Big 12 because usually it's unfortunately sometimes the other way around where you have the Big 12 as the team that's getting picked away from by an SEC or a Big 10 or whatever it might be. But Herb Hand is now a Texas Longhorn. He will be co-offensive coordinator. And this is a guy who prior to that was with Penn State as the run game coordinator and offensive line coach. So he's been a part of this power spread offense the past few seasons that is exactly what Tom Herman is trying to do with Texas. Also, importantly, what they're doing is they are able now 
to put Tim Beck on a little blast here. And maybe not put him on blast, but certainly put him on watch, which is something he desperately needs. I'm telling you, this guy has not been a fan favorite wherever he's been. He was not a fan favorite at Ohio State. I know that for a fact. Before he came to Texas, he was the Ohio State offensive coordinator. And I spoke with both media members there in Columbus, Ohio, and fans, all of which who did not like the way he called a game and that Tim Beck got a lot of blame for a lot of issues there. Those are facts. And now he comes to Texas in year one, and he's had the same problems. The play calling, the player usage, there were too many times when it was way too dysfunctional on that side of the ball. And for a Texas team under Todd Orlando, who is going to have, I think, a really good defense year in, year out for as long as they can keep him, I don't want the offense to be the reason this team does not reach its potential and the reason this program does not get back, not just to the pinnacle of the Big 12 Conference, but to the entire college football world. It's too important to the Big 12 to have Texas really competitive and competing for Big 12 championships. I realize most of you hate the Texas Longhorns and like to see them lose, but I'm telling you as well, it is good for the conference when Texas is playing really good football and is nationally relevant. That's a fact. I know it stings a lot of you, but that is a reality. So we'll watch this thing. We'll monitor this thing. But I'm telling you right now, if I'm Tim Beck, I'm shaking in my boots a little bit because now I've got a co-offensive coordinator. Essentially a demotion for Tim Beck is what it is. You want to say it's not? I, I pretty much think it is. When you go from calling the plays to sharing the play calling duties, you got demoted. That's the reality. So I, I this is the first step potentially to just flat out moving on from a guy like Tim Beck. We'll watch it play out. Pete Mundo with you, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Also a big blow for Kansas State. Winston Dimmel is going to leave the program and transfer. Uh, you say, all right, he's a fullback. I, you know, how, how big of a loss is it? It is. I, I know the fullback doesn't always get the sexy stats, put up the big numbers. The guy had 418 receiving yards over his career. The guy had... 241 rushing yards over his career. These are not monster numbers by any stretch of the imagination. But from a blocking standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, Winston Dimmel is a big part of this team. And we thought he might leave because his father took the head coaching job at UTEP. And a lot of people thought he might follow his old man. But that's not the case. Go Powercat had the report first. And they came out and said that there are a few possibilities here that he could go to Texas A&M, where Jimbo Fisher is now the head coach, and Jimbo Fisher was uh, a big user of the fullback at Florida State. Go to a place like Missouri. Go to a place like Wisconsin. We know Wisconsin loves the running game. And it's all about apparently setting up whatever's best for Winston to go to the NFL. And that's not a great, just to me, that is not a good sign when a guy says, to his head coach at a Big 12 program that uses the fullback, you know, I got to go somewhere else to better my NFL draft stock. First off, I don't know if that's true or not because, frankly, Winston Dimmel played a lot. He's been playing for three years. He's had a really good career. He's a two-time first-team All-Big 12 guy. 
And I'm pretty sure you flip on the tape, an NFL team can see everything they need to know about using a fullback and what this guy's capable of doing. So I don't know if that's entirely true. I'm not entirely buying it, to be frank. But I will also say this. I know Bill Snyder's not the kind of guy to tailor an offense to one player, especially a fullback. I mean, you're not going to do that. But I, I just I just hope there was some kind of conversation on how or if there was any way to keep a Winston Dimmel. Because Texas A&M, one of the places that wants him, doesn't even have a fullback on the roster because of the, the offense they were running under Kevin Sumlin. And same thing with Missouri. There's nothing there. And new offensive coordinator Derek Dooley, you remember that name, former uh, Tennessee head coach, now the wide receivers coach with the Dallas Cowboys, Dimmel told Go Power Cat that they also don't have a fullback on the roster, but they want to use one a lot. It just seems to me you do what you can to keep a guy like Winston Dimmel, who grew up in Manhattan, who I know his father is gone, but still has to have a soft spot for this program and this team. And the fact that he's not easily leaving, but did appear more excited about what the other opportunities were around the rest of the country, it, it bothers me a little bit. It does. And I just wish that wasn't the case because whoever's playing quarterback next year for Kansas State, whether it's Alex Dalton or Skylar Thompson, you know, who would have thought we'd be having this debate a month ago after that Oklahoma State game? I thought for sure it'd be Skylar Thompson's team, but we'll probably have a uh, quarterback battle spring in the summer up in Manhattan. Having a veteran guy like Winston Dimmel in that offensive huddle on that team would have been invaluable for next season in a Big 12 that is going to be entirely up for grabs with the talent that is leaving and the new faces that are coming into this conference. So I don't know what the end game is here for Winston Dimmel. I wish him the best. I just, I'm just selfish. You know, I wish he would have stayed. That's all. Pete Mundo with you wrapping it up. Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Same time, same place. HeartlandCollegeSports.com. 2,000 country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation. That's right. Once again, guys, thanks so much for listening to the show. Again, rate, review, subscribe. Send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com and you will have a Heartland College Sports koozie at your front door within a week. I mean, it's a pretty good trade-off. Do me a solid. Can't thank you guys enough. We'll talk to you soon.